0: Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared
1: by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, the Chancellor of Charitable Giving. You like that one, Al? Al McDonald. So Al, what do you call this time of year? Is it fall or autumn?
2: Are you an Uh... autumn guy? I probably am an autumn guy, but I'll probably slip fall in once in a while. But, you know, regardless, well, I don't have a favorite time. They're all good. They're all good. You know what? Give me a beautiful day, beautiful sunny day. Even if I can't ride my bike, I'm happy. Doesn't matter what's the middle of winter. This is one of my favorite times of the year. And I'm currently don't have a dog. So
1: maybe I'll have to drive over to your house and borrow one of yours. But I remember walking, you know, through the leaves with the dog and, you know, you put on a pair of hiking boots. So this is this is definitely my favorite time of year. So I might have to take a a drive out to Halton where you are and uh, see the beautiful leaves. Welcome anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Well, today's guest is Hannah McLaughlin from Group Source, And Group Source was on the show back in the early days when we first started the podcast. We had Gary Mitchell on, but they're back today with our friend Hannah. And Hannah left the retail industry 11 years ago and found her way into the insurance business and eventually ended up in GroupSource for the past seven years where she recently became the regional vice president for Ontario. So congratulations on that. And her role is to work with advisors to help provide benefit solutions for their clients. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you. So Hannah, before we get into it and who GroupSource is, because I think that's important for the audience because maybe not everyone's heard about what source is or who they are. I got a question for you because I've watched you since you entered the industry and I've had the benefit of kind of watching you grow as you've been through the industry. In my mind, you become one of the more successful account executives out there. Now, of course, you're a regional vice president. So obviously your company is recognizing that too. What do you think accounts for that success?
0: Well, first of all, thank you. But yeah, I think in terms of my role, which is really there to help advisors with what they need for their client one of the main and and one of the more simple things is to be responsive because for me, I want to get back to somebody as soon as possible. When so if somebody else is not getting back to me and I can't get back to the person I need to get back to, I hate that feeling of, okay, you're not giving me what I need and I'm now slow. So if I do that with my advisors, they can't get back to their clients in a timely fashion. So one thing that I've always done and it's been you know, a simple, but from what I've heard from my advisors, a bit of a game changer is just getting back to somebody quickly. And if you say you're going to do something, do it. So two very, very simple things. But for me, that's been what I've attributed to my success.
1: It's funny, you know, getting back to people is is something I've struggled with only on because I feel the same way as you. I feel like I have to get back to people immediately and and Debbie on my team and Chris, they they all feel the same. And sometimes that presents challenges because sometimes there's so much work going on that you want to get back to people, but sometimes you can't. And I think you have to balance out, yes, I want to be responsive, but the answer doesn't necessarily have to come in 20 minutes, right? Like if the time is there and you can do that. And I think what you said about doing what you say you're going to do, to me, that's just as important. Because when I send you an email, for example, if you get back to me in that 20 minutes, hey, great, got my answer. But if you don't, that's okay, too. Because I know, for the time being, it's off my plate. I know that Hannah is going to get me an answer. And I know on your end, you're going to be going crazy for the person to get you the answer. So you can get back to me. So that's great.
0: And it's funny, I've actually been working on being less responsive. I know that that sounds strange. But I think that feeling I needed to respond immediately became harder and harder to do. The more advisors I started working with. And, you know, as my block grows, it's, it was that feeling of, Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I can't keep up that. I started to realize that, you know, there's nothing that's, life-threatening when it comes to employee benefits, and if you don't get back within an hour, everybody's going to be okay. I think that has been something that I've only recently, and I think the the having a second child and coming back from a mat leave was really the sort of thing that helped me do that because I realized like you can't do it all. You can want to, but you're not going to be able to respond the way that you could before when you're getting more and more busy, and that's certainly true in my private life as well.
1: Yeah, and you can certainly still provide. We certainly have that with you. You can still provide that six star experience without feeling overwhelmed that, oh, my gosh, I got to get back to this person right away. And and that's something that I've been trying to pass on to my team so that you don't get caught up in emails every day because, you know, you want to respond to one email and the five more come in and you get into this vicious cycle of never getting out of your email. So, you know, I've kind of passed on to the team that it's okay to get out of your email, start working through your task list because. Otherwise, you're never going to get anything done. And as long as you're setting expectations, if you're not going to have a, an answer that day, that's fine. Let the client know, hey, I got to go do this, and we'll get an answer. No one's going to get upset around that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, sure. well, let's dig into a little bit who, what, you know, is is group source because I don't think the audience, not everyone, is going to be aware. Because as you can maybe give a plug here, you guys don't work with every advisor, so there are going to be clients out there and business owners who have never heard of group source and I think they're a really important player. Is it a right fit for everybody? I don't know, but I think that's, you know, people should be aware that what you guys are doing is quite unique in the marketplace. So if you could just chat about that. So
0: we're a third-party administrator, and what that means is that we bring together best-in-class carriers. We package it all up so that the end user has an experience with just group source. So the booklet, the website, the mobile app, everything says Group Source. If the employee has a question, they're going to call into Group Source and speak to a Group Source employee. But we aren't actually an insurance carrier. We work with some behind the scenes that actually ensure the benefit. We do pay claims in house, which does make us act a bit more like a carrier in that respect. But like you said, we don't work with everybody. So not everyone's going to have heard of Group Source. And it's also by design because we don't have any direct products. So we wouldn't sell something to an employer directly we would only work through an advisor and then on top of that we wouldn't work with every advisor that exists Um, we have sort of a special niche offering in the market and we need to make sure that that message is being conveyed properly to the end user so while there are hundreds and hundreds of advisors that I could be working with a I don't have enough hours in the day to to do so and to do a good job of that but also We need to make sure that we're working with advisors that we consider the best in class as well, like the carriers we work with. So,
1: can I can I hear that part again? Best in class is that what you said? Yeah. Well, we let you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I grandfathered you in. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, that part's getting edited out for sure. No, I'm just well kidding. Well played. Well played, played. indeed. indeed. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, we want to work with those advisors that we know are doing a good job for their clients and who are going to be able to give that group source message to them when they're providing our proposal. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about rates. And we don't want to work with the advisors that only consider that as the main piece.
1: For sure. Hey, I got a question for you because. You know, our interactions, of course, with you and then members on your team, people like Debbie on your team, where do you find your people? Because that's one thing that's really consistent across the entire team of GroupSource. You've got great people. And don't worry, I'm not going to yeah, poach them. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just, you know, Al and I, we always talk about growing the team and finding great people. And and I think a lot of people, that attraction and retention piece is really important I don't know if there's any hints about where you guys find these people because they're all really great.
0: Yeah, I think certainly I'm I'm not the one who's hiring out in Calgary, which is where our head office is. But there's a lot of movement within the organization. So somebody who's hired on as a claims payer may end up as a client service coordinator or a new business representative. Everybody is given the opportunity to sort of make their way through the organization. And I think that's been a key piece to the success of GroupSource and why the employees are so happy, because they're not sort of stuck in a role if they don't want to be. And there is a lot of movement within the organization. And then second to that, I think, of course, we're hiring great people. But then there's the culture within the organization, which is, you know, starting on Monday, we're having our client service week. And so we're each of the regional vice presidents are sending out an email to sort of say, like, welcome to client service week. And something that we talk about is the responsiveness of our team and that they're responding to an email or they're answering a phone call. And it may seem like a small piece of somebody's day. But the fact that we are so responsive, the fact that we, you know, make mistakes, because any benefit plan will have mistakes, so it's a guarantee whether you're with us or with anybody. The fact that we fix those quickly, that interaction that they have with the, the person, it could be an employee, it could be the employer, the plan administrator, the advisor, they may change the trajectory of that person's day just based on that interaction. So I think the way that that is such a huge focus for group source and why it's so important to us is because what they do matters for me as a salesperson. I can't sell our great service and then have it fall flat on the back end. So what they do matters significantly to the growth of the company, which is what I'm responsible for with the team. They really are the the differentiator. And I think we remind them of that so much that there's really a bunch of employees that are taking pride in being that way.
1: I love what you spoke about it in terms of opportunity and you know having that line of sight where employees can see hey, you know, just because they started here doesn't mean I have to stay here and I can learn kind of from the ground up. And I think your team has done a really good job of that. So kudos to the leadership
2: over at GroupSource.
0: Yeah, no, they're doing something right over there.
2: And I'm the neophyte in the room that doesn't really deal with uh, a lot of group benefits. And this is yours and Robin's world. Can you talk a little bit about what you see from your experience in terms of some of the issues that employers are facing today? Like you see a few things that really stand out in the benefits world that employers are struggling with.
0: For sure, yeah, I think, I mean, there are a number of issues that are facing employers and they differ from one to the other, but one of the main that's gonna be a common denominator for I think everyone is the cost of the benefit plan and not just cost today, but sustainability on a go forward basis. When I started 11, 12 years ago, we were having conversations about specialty drugs, which are drugs that are over $10,000 annually, Back then, it was an issue, but it wasn't even quite the issue that it is today, where research and development dollars are being poured into these drugs, which, you know, on one hand is, is wonderful. There's better daily life for these people who need the drugs. There's the ability to be at work where you may have gone off on disability. There are many, many pros. But what we're seeing is drugs that used to be administered in a hospital are now being created in a pill form and then sent home as a now a private plan issue. So these drugs are, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 750,000. And so the risk for an employer is substantially greater than it was 15, 20 years ago. And that is something that I think whether you have one of those drugs on your plan today or you don't, you are still paying for it one way or the other.
2: So what are the solutions? That's the problem. Like what, how do That's how do problem. employers deal with that?
0: Yeah, so one of the ways that you pay for these drugs whether you have one or not is what's called high amount pooling so every provider unless you've got a drug maximum is going to have high amount pooling on your health plan so this is there to protect you over and above a threshold of you know twelve and a half thousand or fifteen thousand or whatever it's set at beyond that point there's a larger pool where all the companies within their program are pulled together if they have any of these high cost claims you are responsible for that cost up to that point, and then you pay a fee to have that high amount pulling on your plants. So because these drugs exist and they exist more and more each passing day, you know, there's ones that I didn't see covered before, suddenly they're covered. This is now rapid. This may only affect a small portion of the population, but you're seeing them now much more frequently than you were before. So if you don't have one on your plan today, that doesn't mean you're not paying for it on your high amount pooling because that pool is getting filled with them. And you may get one tomorrow and they need to make sure that they've sort of accommodated that. So it may be anywhere from 15% of your healthcare premium to 28% of your healthcare premium, which is one I saw this past week. And that's substantial because that's gonna be taken right off the top. So if you've got $100,000 of healthcare premium you're losing 15 to $28,000 to pay for that benefit, even if you don't have a drug claim today. And then on top of that, they're now going to apply, you know, all of the fees and what we refer to as a target loss ratio. So paying all of the various places you got to go now, you may be 50 cents on the dollar actually paying claims. So no wonder costs are going up, right? If you've only got 50 cents to pay claims on the dollar, your likelihood of having an increase next year is, is substantially greater. So what we do at Group Source is partner with Claim Secure to provide a drug formulary called Formulary Protect Plus. And what that does, and I'll, I'll speak to Ontario specifically, we do have this across all of the provinces. And if anyone has any questions specific to that after the fact, I'm happy to connect. But just to not overcomplicate things, I'll just talk about it in Ontario. So in Ontario, we exclude all specialty drugs if the provincial formulary covers it. So in this case, Trillium. So if you have an insured plan elsewhere and that drug is covered through the plan, you are not able to access the coverage through Trillium. You have to have those drugs excluded or have no coverage at all. So we've been able to do that to protect employers from those specific drugs. And like I said, it doesn't affect a great portion of the population, but because we have that in place, we're able to lower our pooling charge substantially. So if you don't have a drug today, you'll see savings with us just based off that one piece alone. And then if you combine that with the fact that you do have one of those drugs, well, now we may actually be able to navigate that off the plan. And then you see sort of twofold savings. So the key piece of that formulary is the coverage navigation services, which is the team that are actually going to walk that employee through the process of obtaining coverage. So going to Trillium to apply, introducing them to the, the manufacturer programs that may offer financial assistance for any out-of-pocket. They're going to really just answer any questions and, and be there to support the employee through the process so that they're not just like, okay, you you know, you know, no longer have coverage for this drug, but what are next steps and, and how are we actually going to help that employee obtain what they need at the end of the day?
1: Hannah, if someone is, because I'm thinking as an employer myself, right? With our own benefits plan now. And if I'm having a conversation mm-hmm. with someone like you and I hear this and I'm thinking, okay, this is great for me, the employer, but how do you get around? Because as an employer, you know when I'm looking at our employees and our team members, I want to make sure they're protected. I don't want them to face something. If they need a drug, to your point, you said earlier, these are changing people's lives, right? Things that people would struggle with in the past. Now, these drugs, although very expensive because of all the R&D, they're changing people's lives and their daily life is very much improved. So I want to make sure people have access to that. But this is a departure from traditional plans. So What would you say to that employer to say, yes, it's going to benefit you, but your employees are going to be looked after as well?
0: Yeah. So I think many times, and I've gone through this process at this point hundreds of times over the years, and you often see that the employee is aware that their drug is very expensive, right? So going through a couple extra steps to obtain coverage is not always something that they're unhappy about. Certainly when there's a cost share on the premium, they know that their fellow Employees are all paying for that drug that they are taking and they need it and they don't necessarily want to pay $30,000, $40,000 themselves, but they also are aware of the fact that if there's a couple extra steps they have to go through in order to obtain coverage, that's something that they're often very, very happy to do. With the out-of-pocket, because Trillium does require a 1% each quarter of net household income deductible. So once that is satisfied, then Trillium would kick in. So if you've got an 80% coinsurance on your drug plan, which is pretty typical, that employee could be out of pocket six, $8,000 today, if they don't have spousal coverage, if their drug is 30, 40,000, which is very typical of these drugs. So they're already out of pocket and they may be less out of pocket through the provincial program. And then with the introduction to the manufacturer program, they may pick up some or all of that out of pocket for them. So the employee is taken care of. There's certainly going to be instances where the employee is more out of pocket than they were before. And that's sort of the way you the pros and cons of, of implementing something like this. And sometimes it's a matter of we've got this drug on our plan. Are we going to fold the plan entirely because we can't afford these ongoing increases? Or are we going to implement something that, you know, today impacts one person and it's fair because it's applied to everybody. If somebody was to be prescribed one of these drugs tomorrow, and that includes the owner themselves, then that's the process that would happen. But if it's the difference of, are we going to scrap the plan? Are we going to put in a drug maximum? or you know, Are we going to have to alter the plan in some substantial way that it impacts everyone? Or could we do something that's quite small when you think about the the change to the benefit plan that makes such an impact? you know, what else can you do to a benefit plan that actually impacts the bottom line as much as this formulary does.
1: So if you have a conversation with an employer, and this makes sense, and you've made them feel that, okay, my employees are going to still be well looked after. And in some cases, it may even benefit them. What's the key piece here? Like, in my mind, I'm right away, I'm thinking communication, you know, having enough time to communicate that making sure, you've been through hundreds of these and had hundreds of these conversations and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've implemented these plans. You and I have implemented some of these plans together. Yeah. What would you say is the typical experience from kind of start to finish? Have there been, and I can speak to my own, but I'd rather hear yours because you have more experience on this side. What's been the typical experience, both from the employer and employee perspective?
0: So the thing with this benefit in Ontario specifically is that it is, incredibly nuanced. So no two situations have been the same. The income level is different in each situation, the drug that they're taking, the indication they're taking that drug for, all of these things sort of go into how it's going to operate. The piece, like you said, communication, this is when there's a current drug right? The the communication is still important. It's less important if there's not a current specialty drug, because that employee doesn't know how it would have been handled previously if there isn't one today. But when there's a current one, if we know who the employee is, then it's a straight conversation. This is what's happening. Here's next steps. If we don't know, then typically we suggest sending out a memo ahead of time to the staff to say, you know, this change is coming effective, you know, December 1st. If you have questions, and typically I say, use my email so that they can reach out to me. I'll set up a time to call and speak with them and then just give them sort of high level next steps. What's going to happen as of December 1st. Once they've moved over to us, that's where they can sign off to say that the coverage navigation team can contact them. And then they start the process of helping them obtain coverage elsewhere. So you see the beginning stages in my role, but what I don't see is what happens after the fact, because it, just kind of operates, people still get their drug and off they go. And you know, the initial month or or two months or whatever during that process. Sure, there may be some extra hoops to jump through. But after that, you really stop hearing about that claim, you just see the renewal. And that's my favorite part is where I promised the advisor who's promised the client that I'm providing savings today, but just wait until you see that renewal, where maybe you're on target, or maybe you're under target, which I think Robin has been your experience in the groups that we've done together you're now showing them a loss ratio where they're getting a decrease or they're getting a no change. And before they were always getting an increase and then they were paying a pulling charge that was high and they're not doing that anymore. So yeah, I think that's certainly my favorite part in the whole process is, is that renewal the following year to say, I told you so.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of great information here. And I guess my point would be, be open to the conversation. And I think I really give kudos to, all plan administrators business owners you know chief people officers because in the last two years i find people are very open to having a different type of conversation than in the past like ah yeah we got benefits you know we'll just leave it alone and i find people are very interested in having a conversation about what's new what's different what can we do that we instead of doing the same thing we've done for the past 10 years so i think there's a lot of opportunity there now hannah We prepped you in advance. We gave you the question in advance. It's not an easy question to answer, but it's time for Al's signature question. It's one of my favorite questions, and I'm so glad we asked it because we get a different answer every time. And it's not right or wrong. It's what's important to you. So Al, I'll let you take it away.
2: All right. Thank you. So Hannah, there is a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting right now?
0: Yeah, so I did give this one a lot of thought. And, you know, I was trying to think about it in a career and work context. And the thing that sort of kept coming to my mind was my kids, I've got a one and a four year old two boys. And when I was growing up, it was always very, very important too. And it was something we talked about all the time that my dad would talk about integrity and certainly always in the context of my career. And him always saying that who you are when no one's looking is the most important thing. So I work from home. I have worked from home, you know, pre-pandemic and not everybody is comfortable doing that. But I think because that was so heavily instilled in me that I can work hard without my boss being right there watching me. That's something that I have, you know, every intention of instilling in my children. I mean, this is a conversation that four-year-olds maybe aren't having at this point, but something that we're doing now And is a daily conversation with my four-year-old is to be kind. And every single day we ask, well, first of all, if you have a toddler, if you have a young child, you know that if you say, what did you have for lunch today? I don't know. What did you guys do today? I don't know. Like, did you ride bikes today? I don't know. I don't know how it's possible, but they don't know what they did 15 minutes ago. But every day at dinner, we ask my son, Owen, who's four, we say, what did you do today? That was kind. And more often than not, he has an answer for it, which tells me that he spends his day with that as something he keeps in his mind, right? Like he knows that today Sydney was crying and he went over to see if she was okay. And he's proud to tell us that because he knows that that's a metric for us that we care about, right? That you know, we're going to be proud of him for being kind. And I think we're raising future leaders and and I'm raising boys, which I think, is an important role as a mom is raising boys that are kind and that are including women when they're future potential managers or CEOs or, you know, whatever they choose to be. I think the world can never have enough kindness. And and I think raising the next generation to have that as a focus is important. So that's my tree is my little guy Owen. And and when I hear feedback from other parents telling me that he's kind, it's for me, that's the best feedback I can get about my kids.
2: All right. Well, I'm kind of blown away. Yeah, me too. uh, That was a phenomenal answer.
0: Thank you.
1: That's a great answer and a great message, especially right now. I had a chat with someone the other day and I did a post on LinkedIn today about it. and It was just a reminder that sometimes people are struggling with with something you have no idea about. So I love that you're instilling that in your kids. And it's such a great message. And you use that as a metric and he knows, oh, they're going to, you know, they want to know what I did today. And I think that's such a great thing. To your point, Al, that answer blew me away. So thank you for that, Hannah. That's a great spot to wrap it up on that message. So thank you for joining us today and sharing everything me. about your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Group Source?
0: They can shoot me an email. It's hmclauchlin. So H M C L O U G H L I N at groupsource.ca.
1: Hey, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves
2: clues, my friends.